Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking on the Beatitudes. These are the attitudes to be. That if you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, this is the characteristics I want you to to convey. This is how I want you to carry yourself. That there's certain expectations if you're in the kingdom called the United States of America or if you're a part of the United Kingdom. But if you're part of the kingdom of heaven, there's a certain responsibility, certain characteristics that you should have. And Jesus points out as he's bringing almost to a close the Sermon on the Mount in regards to the Beatitudes, when he says in verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted. Someone shout persecuted. This is something you don't hear in churches today. We want to be blessed. We don't want to deal with persecution. Come on, come on. If there's something, we're being persecuted then there's something wrong in our point of view. In modern day Christianity, there is no persecution. In modern day Christianity, persecution happens. There's something wrong that somehow we miss God. But Jesus promises in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted for making bad choices. Is that what the scripture says? For entering into bad relationships, making bad financial decisions, making bad health decisions. What's he say? You are blessed that you are blessed when you're persecuted for doing right. Righteousness for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to see this as we we talk about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes up to a mountain and he sits down. And as he sits down, he has the disciples gathering around him. And Jesus begins to instruct the disciples, not the crowd. What Jesus is speaking to is the disciples, to those that are following him. He's not speaking to the crowd. The crowd just happens to be there. And he takes advantage of this opportunity to speak to his disciples. How many disciples of Christ are in the house this morning? Come on. How many disciples are in the house? Then this is for you. If you're outside of the kingdom of heaven, then this this word's not for you. This is for disciples. This is for those that say, I submit myself to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus. Because now we have a responsibility to live in this manner. And as Jesus is speaking, he's not addressing his fans. He's addressing his followers. And he tells them, this is the way I expect you to operate in the kingdom of heaven. If you're going to be in the kingdom, these are your expectation. And if you want to be blessed, this is how you bring blessing into your life. How many people want blessing in your life this morning? Come on. How many need blessing? How many want blessing in your life? I don't know about you, but I want blessing in my life. But when Jesus begins to talk about being blessed, he says, if you want to be blessed, be poor. If you want to be blessed, then mourn. If you want to be blessed, then hunger and thirst. 
If you want to be blessed, then you have to be meek. If you want to be blessed, you need a pure, pure heart. If you want to be blessed, you got to be merciful. If you want to be blessed, you got to be a peacemaker. And he begins to speak things that are totally contrary to the Jewish mind in regards to how blessing looks like. When we think of blessing, we think blessings that I get that parking lot, parking place right in front of Walmart. I get the, I get, you know, I, I get a more money in my bank account. I get a bonus. All of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, my, my gas goes a little farther. And blessing in our view is everything going right. Say it again, Pastor. In our view, blessing is when everything goes right. And when Jesus begins to teach the disciples, the disciples are sitting there and saying, man, if I want to be blessed, I got to be poor. There's a lot of poor people in the crowd. If you want to be blessed, you got to mourn. And there's a lot of mourning that was going on under the domination of Rome. If you want to be blessed, then you got to hunger and thirst. And there was a lot of people that knew hunger, that knew what it was to be thirsty. And so Jesus is speaking this, and it was totally contrary to the Jewish mindset of what blessing looked like. I need you to understand that blessing doesn't always look like you think it looks like. Do not allow blessing to be transformed from a Western point of view from what Jesus said blessing looks like. Because it's in our weakness that Jesus is made strong. Come on, somebody. And it's not, I don't learn more about God when everything's going great. I learn more about God's provision when I have lack. I know about God's healing when I'm sick. I know about God's peace when I'm in turmoil. And so we learn more about who God is when we're going through the opposite of what God promises. You got to flip it. Someone say flip it. And so he says, blessed are, I want you to understand, church, and I want to get this into your mind this morning, that blessing is God's default. Back to Genesis chapter 1, it says, and he blessed them. Verse 26, he blessed them. When he created Adam and Eve, he blessed them. Someone shout blessed. Blessed. God blessed them. The first thing that God did after giving mankind his image and his likeness was he blessed them. You're blessed. Your default is blessing. Your default is enough. Your default is God's favor over your life. Your default is God's love for you. Your default is God's favor that says, I love you, I like you, and I want to meet your need. Your, your, your default is blessing. Someone say, I'm blessed. It's an inward thing, not an outward thing. True blessing starts from the inside out, not from the outside in. And many of us are looking at blessing based on, oh, someone gave me money, I'm blessed. I got a raise at work, I'm blessed. You know what, my team finally won, I'm blessed. (laughs) Just going to leave that there for a moment, okay? (laughs) Jesus then says this, if you follow Verse 3, all the way to verse 9, where you're poor, you mourn, you hunger and thirst. And he goes over all, if you do those things and you make peace, then guess what you're going to get? You're going to get persecuted. 
Come on. In this day and age, you stand up for righteousness. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're going to be persecuted. And the word righteousness means right standing. It means the standing. That means that you're standing when everyone else is bowing. That you're speaking when everyone else is silent. That you're kneeling when everyone else is standing. That you're praying when everyone else is quiet. I need you to understand that righteousness is standing right in the right place. But I need you to understand righteousness doesn't come from you. Your righteousness doesn't puff you up and say, I'm better than someone else. Righteousness doesn't look at someone else and says, you know what? It's not that Pharisee saying the prayer. Thank God I'm not like that person over there. Righteousness says, God, thank you for giving me your righteousness. That word persecuted literally means to be driven out. Check this out. To be driven out, chased away to run after, to pursue, or follow after. That's almost like, have you, have you seen um, just the modern warfare that we have today where we have the lasers that point at certain buildings and wherever the laser's pointing, that missile will find that laser and hit that target? That's what persecuted is. You, you, have, you have a laser on you and persecution is following you. No matter where you go, you're being persecuted. No matter where you're going, something's chasing you. Someone's after you. Someone's about to go after. And and you, you feel like I'm being chased. I'm being pursued. I'm being driven away. And you're wondering. But I want you to understand Jesus was persecuted because his calling as king. When he confessed that he was a king, then Caesar had no other, or not Caesar, but Pilate had no other choice but to condemn him to death. Because in, in, the king, in the Roman kingdom, there was no other king other than Caesar. So the moment Jesus said before that, he was going to let him go. But the moment he asked him, are you a king? And Jesus says, you say that. But my kingdom's not of this world. So what Jesus was saying, I'm a king. So when the moment Jesus admitted to his kingship, his calling... Let me tell you something. When you embrace your calling, you're going to open up persecution. you're, you're You're not hearing me. When you embrace your calling, when you embrace your purpose, when you do what God created you to do, you're going to have haters that are going to rise up, that are going to begin to have no choice. They may like you. They may care about you. They may have nothing against you. But the moment you step into your purpose, the moment you step into your right standing before God, all of hell is going to rise up against you to try to stop you from accomplishing the very thing that you've been called to. Then what Pilate thought, I am ending this man kingdom he really was actually putting that kingdom into motion oh come on church listen to me you got to stop worrying about your haters your haters will do more for your purpose than your friends will no no you're you're not hearing me but judas did more for jesus's purpose than the other 11 did Peter said, no, I'm I'm not letting you go. What did Jesus tell him? Get the, what did he call him? Jesus was focused on purpose. Joseph's brothers, 
They thought they were destroying the dream. In reality, they were putting it into motion. When your haters rise against you, thinking that they're stopping God's call on your life, they're literally putting it into motion. Come on. If you have haters, if you have people opposing you right now, instead of getting mad at God, instead of getting frustrated, instead of throwing in the towel, someone needs to rise up and say, I'm going the right direction. Things are going the right. What they meant for harm, God's going to turn around for my good. Hell cannot stop what heaven has started. Jesus' calling became his conviction. Come on, church. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, he says this. If people persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. It's a promise. There's a promise that you're going to be persecuted. And we, we trip out. Why am I going through this? Oh, God, all hell is breaking up loose against me. And most of the times, most of the hell that we're going through is because you've driven yourself there. And then you say, I'm being persecuted for righteousness. Oh, God, Pastor, she got pregnant. You know, God says, I'm just being persecuted right now. Jesus didn't sleep with her. Now, you know, man, God's really just taking me through it right now. I'm being persecuted because I, I gave my tithe. But you don't manage your money. Paying tithe doesn't keep you from needing to learn about how to manage money. And so we make decisions that are wrong and end up with, and many of us, what we're saying is we're being persecuted for righteousness. The reality is you're just getting a harvest for bad seed. Persecution is guaranteed by Jesus. And this persecution is due to righteousness, not wickedness. Somebody say amen. amen. Many are experienced persecution not because of righteousness, but because they planted bad seed. If you want a better harvest, you got to change what you're planting. Jesus is literally saying you're going to be pursued, you're going to be chased, you're going to be run down, you're going to have people that are going to go after you. Why? Because of the holiness and because of the righteousness you're standing for bothers the demons inside of them. Can you stand when everyone else is bowing like the three Hebrew children? Can you pray when prayer's been outlawed like Daniel? Can, can you stand when everyone else is coming against you and stoning you like Stephen? See, I want you to know that righteousness bothers people. Now, when I say righteousness, I'm not saying I'm standing here saying I'm holier than you. Because all righteousness comes from God. And it's by his mercy. I'm not getting into heaven because I'm better than you. I'm getting into heaven because I'm forgiven. And it's only forgiven. It's his grace and it's his mercy. It's his grace and his mercy alone. You can't add anything to salvation. You can't earn your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. It's by his grace alone. It's the doorway that I enter in. And it's his love that says, I love you. I forgot about your past because you accepted me. I need you to know that your righteousness is nothing that you've done. It's all him and him alone. Jesus is saying that you're going to be chased, pursued, and hated because you lived out verses 3 to 9. 
through 9. And after you make peace, you're going to be persecuted. After you make peace, you're going to have them rise up. And I want you to see that genuine righteousness is offensive to the unrighteous. Go to a family party where everyone is, and you walk in and you've let that go. And they offer it to you. And you say, maybe. <laughs> and, and, and you refrain. Now all of a sudden, the very individuals that embraced you are now looking at you like, oh, you think you're better than us now? I'm not saying I'm better. I just know that when I go that direction, it takes me off course. And I don't want to hurt the heart of God. I want, to, I want to stay in relationship with God because I know that when I put things into my system, I don't act the way I'm supposed to. I don't live the way I'm supposed to. It opens up doorways that take me into different areas that I don't want to go. And I don't want to hurt the heart of God. What Jesus was saying is this, is that genuine righteousness can be offensive. Literally, the crowds gritted their teeth as Stephen as they threw stones at him because they were angry. At Lot, they wanted to rip him apart when Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah and he told him not to act wickedly. Paul, they left him for dead after they stoned him because of Paul's righteousness and tried to get people to turn to God. Noah, they laughed at him and made fun of him as he's building the ark nowhere near an ocean and it's never even rained before and yet he's still built. You see, everyone makes fun of you and until the rain starts falling. That's righteousness. It's doing the right thing even when everyone else says it's wrong. I'm listening to him. It doesn't look down on others. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. It says, but even if I should suffer for what is right. Come on, for what is right. Everyone say that, for what is right. Many of us are suffering for just our own idiotic decisions. And we blame God. Pastor, I'm in the hospital right now. Pray for me right now. The doctor says I have four arteries that are clogged. You know, the devil's after me. It wasn't the devil. The devil wasn't the one eating fried chicken and fast food all the time. Our choices many times end up to our harvest. He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Don't be, do not fear the threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere the Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to the one who asks to give a reason for the hope that you have. You see, many of us are suffering because of bad choices in health. We're bankrupt. You know, I got individuals that will come to me and ask me for advice. I, I'm in a bad relationship, pastor. I don't know what to do. How, how, do I, how do I do this? And yet, after they get out of that bad relationship, they go and find someone that's just like that individual they just broke up with. They go from one toxic relationship to another toxic relationship to another toxic relationship. And they, well, I just like the bad boys, and that's why you always have a bad relationship. I like the bad girls. That's why your relationships are always bad. 
end up with addictions, legal issues. Pastor, pray for me. I got, I got some things going on, man. The enemy's really attacking me. The enemy wasn't the one that drove drunk. Uh, come on, let, let's just be real this morning. And what we call persecution is just a harvest for bad choices. And we get mad and we think we're being persecuted. You're not being persecuted. Persecution for righteousness is different than persecution for just dumb choices. We got, we got emotional turmoil, professional struggles, and it's because of the fact that we're not doing, we're not in the right position. Roman 8, 17 says, if now we are children, if if now, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, so what? I share in his suffering so that I could what? Sharing his what? His glory. We want glory without going through the suffering. How does God get glory when you make it through the suffering correctly? That when you go through, when you go through the suffering, when you go through the battle correctly, that you don't lose your fruit, that you don't start cussing people out, going to Facebook and saying, hey, this is saying this about one person, this about another individual, and, and defending yourself in that manner. It's when you go through the fire and you know that when I get to the other side of that fire, that I'm purified. What's the purpose of fire? The fire is not to destroy you, it's to refine you. When I go through the battles of life, I understand this. Most of the time, there's something in me that needs to be purified. Something that needs to be burnt away. There's part of my character that needs to be, that only a fire can get rid of. There's some things that I have to go through financially that only a fire can get rid of. There's some things I have to go through relationally that only a fire can get rid of. And when you go through the fire, if you respond correctly and you stay in the fire, you come out as pure gold. The crucible, when they would put the crucible inside the fire, when they would put the crucible in the fire and they would put the gold and the ore in there, they, they would boil. And as it's boiling, all the impurities come to the top. When you take that gold out of the, the crucible, all you see is black soot on the top so the goldsmith comes and he scrapes it off and then he puts it back in again and it begins to boil again and then he pulls it out and again all the black is at the top and he'll scrape off the top again and he'll put it back in again and he'll keep on doing that until he takes it out of the crucible and he looks into the crucible and he sees his reflection the moment that the goldsmith sees his reflection in that pot of gold, then he knows that that gold has now been refined. It's us going through the fire. It's us going through the pain. It's us going through the process that brings out the glory that God looks at you and doesn't see you. He sees himself. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. Persecution is a promise just like blessing is. It's promised. Now, now, if you're not being persecuted right now, we got to wonder if we're going the right direction. Back in the, back in, back in the 70s, Jim Marshall, lineman for the Minnesota Vikings, ended up picking up a Loose ball, took off running. He was moving too. 
but no one on defense was trying to stop him. His own teammates started running after him because he was running the wrong direction. So the defense stopped running after him. And when he got to the end zone, he threw the ball up in the air. And he celebrated thinking that he had just recovered a ball and he just scored a touchdown. When in reality, he was running to the wrong goal. Some of you, the enemy's not even bothering with you right now because you're running the wrong direction. He just stopped. And you're celebrating thinking that you're going the right way. So the enemy does. He gets you all confused. In Acts chapter 5, I want to close with this as the worship team comes back up. I want you to see this. Persecution comes in the New Testament church, and the disciples are beaten for preaching Jesus. I want you to see the response that they have in verse 41. It says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin after they had just been stripped naked and whipped with whips. Most of us would have called up the pastor and said, you know, I'm done with this Jesus crap. I gave Jesus my life. I gave him, I did everything right, and I got whipped by the government. We would have called. We would have turned in our Christian card. We would have walked away from God. We would have been upset. But what did the disciples do? Because they had been counted, they, they rejoicing, they, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer the disgrace for the name. They, had, they, they rejoiced. I got beaten. Praise God. I got beaten. I got tore up. Praise God. They beat me. They stripped me naked. And they, they tore me up. Thank God I got to suffer for the name of Jesus. Those dudes are crazy. Who would we, we would be on CNN, CNBC, we would be on Fox News. I got beat by the government for following Jesus. Be in court. What do the disciples do? They walk away rejoicing. Some of you are wondering, why am I feeling the resistance that I'm going through right now? It's because you're going the right way. You're going the right way. And when you stand, when everyone else is bowing, when you kneel when everyone else is standing, when you speak when everyone else is silent, you become a target for those that are part of the crowd. But the ultimate isn't what I go through. I'm just going back in the fire again until he sees his reflection when he looks in there. They left rejoicing because they were counted worthy for suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, look at what they do as a result. Day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped. (laughs) 
after the first whip, I probably would have said, hey, okay, okay, guys, hey, 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 hey. That Jesus thing, man, <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, you guys are getting serious with this whip stuff now, all right? Uh, let, let's just, we'll just let that go. They celebrated. In fact, they rejoiced that they were worthy. In the Old Testament, when the Hebrew children were persecuted, they grew. In the New Testament church, when they were persecuted, they grew. What are you going to do? Persecution causes growth. And some of us, are, we, we want such comfortable lives, but that's not what he called us to. I believe there's coming a time where the church is going to be pointed out. Now, you got to hear me. There's going to come a time where we're going to be pointed out. And those that have one foot in and one foot out, some individuals that are serving God out of comfort, not out of commitment, we're going to find persecution arising in the United States for righteousness. But during that time, the word of God spread. And many of us have allowed the fear of trouble to keep us from going all in for God. But Jesus says, I'm coming back for a scared church, a fearful church, a broken church. It's not what he said. I'm coming back for a glorious church. So what do you do? I want to encourage you in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12 as you stand. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. And at times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We are continually sharing the death of Christ in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. And we consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. What am I telling you today? After Jesus died, we find the 12 hiding out, the 11 hiding out. Judas has killed himself. But these men that were scared to death hiding out, all of a sudden, you find Peter being crucified upside down because he refuses to be crucified like Jesus. You see Andrew being crucified to an X-shaped cross. You see Bartholomew and Nathaniel being peeled alive, literally skinned alive. You see J James beheaded. You see the other James literally sawed in half. These individuals went through and experienced just crazy deaths. Why? Because they held on to a glory that was greater than that moment. And where you're headed is greater than what you're going through right now. You might be going through an opposition. You might be going through persecution right now. But baby, I came to tell you that what you're going through right now is nothing compared to the glory he's going to reveal to you later. 
Stay in the fight. It's going to be worth it. You want to bring it, Satan? Bring it. Because you know what? The level of hell you take me through is going to reproduce the level of glory he's taken me to. Heads bowed and eyes closed right now. You're here and you find yourself separated from God. Like, well, Pastor Dan, you're inviting me to persecution. That's not really a great, that great of an invitation this morning. That's exactly what I'm inviting you to. So I think the, someone one time said the problem with the church is they stop killing them. The moment we stop being persecuted, we stop being committed. I think the church needs to rise up once again and understand what we stand for. And I think people aren't looking for lack of commitment or less commitment. I think people are looking for something to commit their lives to, something to truly believe in. I'm not giving you an invitation to die today. Someone's already done that for us. I'm giving you an invitation to live and to live for him. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here right now and you're separated from God. Let's get that right. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I want you simply to lift your hand in the air, and I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. Ready? One, the Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. Two, search your heart right now. Why run from God when all he's going to do is love you when he catches you? As I say this final number, left to right, front to back, I want you to lift your hand high in the air. Ready? One, two, three. Lift your hands right where you are. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over there as well. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Secondly, you're here right now. And, you know, this, this word has kind of scared you a little bit, has you a little unnerved. But you want to believe in something. You're saying, God, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to give you my all. I'm ready to stop holding back. I'm tired of testing the water. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready, my God, to go through whatever I need to go through so that your glory may be revealed. That Paul went through some struggles, that the disciples went through some struggles. But God, I'm looking for something to live for, to believe in. Has to be more than just having a house, a car, and retiring. I want to commit my life to something. You're here right now and you're saying, Pastor, I want to go all in. I'm not saying I'm going to die for Jesus. I'm saying I'm going to live for Jesus. If that's you, I want you to step out of your seat and just come fill these altars right now. Bring your communion elements with you as you come forward. Come on, give them a round of applause as they come this morning. God bless you as you come. Hallelujah. I know there's more. I know God's calling you to more. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to pause a little bit and I'm going to make another invitation. You're here right now and you're, you're just like, well, pastor, I don't know if I want to go all that. I'm, I don't know about all that. Yes, you do. You're ready to give God your all. You're ready to say, God, I'm willing to give you my all, my best. I've served you halfway. Now I'm ready to give you my all. If you raise your hand on the first call as well for salvation, I'm going to invite you forward as well. I want to pray with you as well. Come on, give them a round of applause as they make their way up. First thing I want to do is I want to lead everyone to Jesus because I want everyone to take communion together today. The Bible says that if we don't, we don't 
If we take communion unworthily, then we could end up dying before our time because we take communion the wrong way. Yeah, that, that's serious. That's under the dispensation of grace, by the way. So let's get our lives right with God first, amen? Let's let go of petty disagreements and arguments. And let's make a decision to go all in with our walk with God today, amen? Say this with me, Heavenly Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you died on the cross, rose again on the third day. You paid the price of sin for me. So I make a choice to follow you, to live for you. You died as me so I could live as you. Come into my heart. Be Lord and Savior. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I'm not perfect, but I'm ready to be perfected. In Jesus' name. Now, as we take the bread this morning, the bread represents the body of Jesus. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, he said, this is my body which was broken for you. Everything broken in your life can be whole because Jesus put it back together again. Now, I want you right now, whatever's been broken in your life, as we take the bread, I want you to believe that God's going to begin to put it back together. That God's going to restore, that God's going to put back together those things that have been broken. Broken relationships, broken dreams, broken hopes, those things, broken families, that God's going to start putting some things back together again. As you take the bread this morning, by faith, take it and know he was broken so you could be made whole. Take the bread this morning. Father, we hold on to that promise right now. Everything broken will be restored. Everything shattered, my God, will be made whole. What the enemy meant to destroy us, my God, is going to make us stronger. So, Lord, right now, we thank you for wholeness. We thank you for wholeness in Jesus' name. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness of sin. I said this at the beginning. Our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. None of us deserve salvation. I don't care how much money you gave. I don't care how good of a person. Your goodness cannot get you into heaven. It's his grace and his grace alone. And as we take the cup this morning, we take the cup in acknowledging, Lord, you did it all. And I want you to walk in freedom with the new understanding. He loves you. How much did he love you? He allowed himself to be squeezed so that you could be saved. As you take the cup, take it in recognition that I'm forgiven. Take the cup this morning. Father, we bless your name right now. We honor you right now. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Pastor Seppa, lead us in, the, in a song of worship right now. Yes, Lord.
for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.